from Paul. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor from man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. How do you feel about 80s music? The reason I bring that up is um, I uh, wrote part of the sermon. I went to a local coffee house to work on it a little bit one morning this week. And uh, I guess one of the staff behind the counter decided, you know, as many coffee houses do, they play music over the speakers. And I guess one of the staff decided this is the morning to play 80s, hits of the 80s. And uh, they had it on kind of loud, um, you know. I go into this place once in a while. Sometimes they play music, all kinds of different music. Sometimes you can just put your, my earbuds in and get some music I want to listen to off my computer. But it was so loud I couldn't even do that on this particular morning. So um, I was navigating Galatians with uh, Huey Lewis in the news and Tears for Fears and Michael Jackson going overhead. Uh, I tell you this, I tell you this in case this, I seem a little scattered this morning, you'll know why. I mean, 80s music. Come on. If it was jazz, if it had been classical, I think this message would be a lot stronger, a lot more sound. But, you know, usually Paul, when he begins a letter, we read his letters in the New Testament, he always, almost always begins with words of encouragement to those to whom he writes. For example, you read his beginning to the letter of the Romans, and he writes, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. To the Philippians, he begins, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. That must have just made them feel very affirmed, very uplifted. Even to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians were a church, they had mega problems. They were a headache to Paul. And uh, he begins his first letter to them this way. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him. 
not here. His letter to the Galatians is the one exception to Paul's nurturing, encouraging, loving words to the churches. Paul is mad. He is fuming. He's beginning, his beginning words to the Galatians are basically this. What in the heck is wrong with you? Are you out of your minds? Which is just my translation for, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. Galatians is not a friendly letter. Why is Paul so upset with these people? Well, first, he says they are deserting God. Deserting God. The word for deserting that Paul uses was a military word that was used to describe a soldier who left his post or who, result, or who revolted. Uh, it's a, it was also a political word for someone who has changed sides in politics. The term turncoat uh, comes from this word. How were they deserting God? Well, because they'd stopped believing the gospel of grace that Paul had proclaimed to them, and they were now believing a different gospel, which the apostle says it's not really even a gospel at all. There's no good news in what they have to tell you. There is no other gospel. Wow, that is how serious the gospel, the message of Christ is, that when we abandon the gospel, we are deserting God himself. Paul's not speaking of peripheral issues or matters of debate which all well-meaning Christians um, might legitimately disagree over, have different views. That's one thing. No, the Galatians have exchanged the fundamental core principles of the gospel of grace for something totally different. And the second reason that Paul is upset at them is because the people of Galatia have believed those who have come in and confused them and perverted the gospel of Christ. And Paul says, you know, if, if we ourselves, the apostles, or even an angel from heaven proclaims a message contrary to the gospel, that person, he says, is cursed. The word is anathema. Maybe you've heard that word. It is to be, it is to be damned. Paul, in essence, is saying, let me or anyone else who gives you a different gospel, let them be damned. I so wanted to make the title of this sermon for the sign outside, I'll be damned. But uh, I, I didn't want to cause any problems in the church or the community this week, so I just, I didn't do it. But, but that's, Paul's, Paul's mad, very angry. Um, To emphasize his huge disappointment and the seriousness of discarding the gospel of grace, Paul repeats this twice. Twice he tells them, let anybody be accursed if they give you a different gospel. He says it doesn't matter if an angel appears with with a revelation. If it isn't the gospel of grace, it's not the gospel. That's right. Even if it's an angel, it doesn't matter who it is. Paul even includes himself. There's something about the message of Christ that has a life and a power apart from the messenger and whoever brings it. It isn't the person who delivers it as much as the message itself. And Paul says the message is above and beyond even him or any one apostle. To be accursed because they give a message other than grace, that's serious. 
in biblical language, to be accursed is to be cut off from God. Um, when it comes the essential gospel of Christ, there's no room to get it wrong. Paul sets the gospel of grace and then this different gospel against one another. They are not the same thing. They cannot be reconciled. They cannot coexist. Well, what was this different gospel? It wasn't that the teachers who came into Galatia after Paul had left, it wasn't that they didn't believe in Christ as the Son of God. They did. And it wasn't that they said Christ wasn't necessary for salvation. They did say that. And they said, you need Christ to be right with God. They said a person needs to repent. A person needs to change and turn from any sins. They spoke of the cross. They spoke of the resurrection. But they also said, if you're a man, you have to be circumcised. And all people have to keep all of the Jewish law. Everyone has to keep the rules. You've got to keep the regulations. They said, you have to let Moses, who was the giver of the law in the Old Testament, you have to let Moses complete what Christ began. In other words, you have to add your works to the works of Christ. They would say, every time you do something religious, something good, or you fulfill a religious practice, God will credit your account. You've got to keep the account added up. Now, these teachers with a different gospel, they were called Judaizers because they propagated um, practicing Judaism, the Jewish faith, to still fully be a Christian. This different gospel added something to the gospel, the free gospel of grace in Christ. It said we have to complete this gospel of grace on our own. And this sent Paul ballistic. He knew the gospel was not about what we do. It's not about saving ourselves. It's not about anything we contribute to our being right with God. It was like the Galatians were going backwards. Uh, it's like when you drive your car into one of those parking lots and they have the spikes that you go over and you see the big sign. You know, there's no turning back. Do not go in reverse. Otherwise, It'll, it'll decimate your tires. It will explode your tires when you go back over those spikes. Try to go in reverse. Your tires are done. The Galatians had backed up. And it had destroyed the tires of their faith and of their relationship with God. And Paul shouts, why were you so stupid as to back up? Why'd you go back over the spikes? The Bible teacher, Philip Graham Riken, said this. He says, the church's greatest danger is not the anti-gospel outside the church. It's the counterfeit gospel inside the church. The Judaizers did not walk around areas of Galilee wearing t-shirts that said, hug me, I'm a false apostle. What made them so dangerous was that they knew how to talk the way Christians talk. They used all the right terminology. They talked about how they got saved. They told people to trust in Christ. They presented the gospel. Only they did not have the gospel at all. We should expect, therefore, that the most serious threat to the one true gospel is something that is also called the gospel. The most dangerous teachers are the ones who preach a different Christ but still call him Jesus. 
You know, religion can be confusing, especially in our city. Uh, faith can be difficult to figure out. Christianity can be confusing because there are so many different versions that, or apparent versions, which people say is really the gospel. Jesus is used a lot by a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. How do you determine, well, what's authentic? What's correct? And this is why the words and the witness of the apostles are so important, what we call the apostolic witness. They were there. They heard. They saw. They knew Jesus. It's why we study their letters, why we read the Gospels in the New Testament and what they wrote in all those documents of the New Testament. And no, the centuries have not lessened the authority of their words, though many people, even those who claim to be Christian, say that and claim that and say, well, gosh, that was so long ago. Eugene Peterson said this. He said, our age is so biblically illiterate that it will accept anything provided it is spoken with evident sincerity and accompanied by a big smile. We need a grounding in the Bible. We need wise discernment. We need a certain amount of common sense because there are people who claim a lot of things that just don't add up. There are different Gospels today. There are all kinds of different Gospels that float around. What are they? What are some of them? How do we sift through them to know what is the real deal? There is the prosperity Gospel, which preaches God's blessing and good on every area of life. It preaches financial gain, how to be successful. It sometimes speaks of happiness above everything else. Of course, you won't hear about the cross. You won't hear about sacrifice. You won't hear about serving others. But you'll hear about how Jesus can help you get it for yourself. There is the morality gospel. As long as you're good, you're just fine. And really, no one is really too bad. Or it says that the purpose of Jesus is just to make you a better person. There is the gospel of this nation. Hear this gospel and you think that America is now God's chosen people and we need to bring this country back to God through politics or through other means. It practically equates our nation with the kingdom of God. There's the gospel of any number of issues that are out there. Pro-life pro-LGBT or anti-LGBT, pro-Republican, pro-Democrat, pro-treat the poor and you've got to serve the poor. Yes, the gospel instructs us on how to think, how to act on many different issues. There's no doubt about it. There are things that are right. There are things that are wrong. There are also plenty of things where it's difficult to discern. But those issues don't define the heart and the core of the gospel of grace. To make a person's beliefs say about capital punishment, the measure of their relationship with God is a different gospel, really no gospel at all. There are people who disqualify you if you don't have or read the right version of the Bible. Different gospel. That's not the gospel. It's what Bible you read. Uh, there are those who say, uh, who talk about the gospel of denominational purity or, or, or the, the right church. Hey, I have my preferences, but one's tried affiliation in churches is not what saves us. Some say, yeah, we believe in grace. Grace. 
But then they say, well, you have to be able to show your spirituality or your, the strength of your faith to us. Prove it. Show us how much you really are doing. Some people get nervous about the gospel of grace because people might abuse it. I mean, God just freely giving his love. It, it's too easy not to have to do anything to earn God's acceptance or love. So they also say, ah, you've got to add something of your own. Come on. You know, in the second century, just decades after Christ and in the earliest days of the church, people who saw Christianity and the way that those earliest churches lived could not understand why churches would be so accepting of people who were less than pure and how Christians would give forgiveness to those who, some people who were just pretty awful. There was a man named Celsus who was a Roman pagan in the second century. And listen to one of his descriptions, his observations of Christianity. He said, whoever is a sinner, they say, whosoever is unwise, whosoever is a child, and in a word, whosoever is a wretch, the kingdom of God will receive him. He just could not believe that this could be, that Christians would accept people like this. Yeah, I suppose we can take advantage of God's grace. I suppose we can. Although Paul has more to say that about that down the road. Some people say, well, the gospel of grace is just too darn simple. It's not enough. We live in an age of science. We live in an age of technology. We are sophisticated people. A man who claimed to be king of the Jews hanging on a cross is not going to address our deepest needs and issues of today. Paul says in another of his letters that the message of the cross is the power of God. It is foolishness to the world, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. I'll tell you one thing Paul is not trying to do. Paul is not trying to be popular. He isn't trying to be accepted at all costs. I confess, I hear Paul throw out, you know, curses and, 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 and I get a little uncomfortable. But then I, I think, and I ask myself, Phil, do you compromise the faith of Christ just so you'll be accepted by others? We have to put ourselves under the word of God and be more concerned about insisting on grace than receiving the praise of people. And that can be hard. A gospel that tries only to please people a gospel that will adjust itself so that it might be more acceptable, a gospel that doesn't want to offend, a gospel that, doesn't, that, that, that waters down the reality of the cross, that's a very cheap gospel. It may attract thousands and thousands of people, I don't know, but it will eventually mean very little to people and it won't be worth giving their lives for. It will attract a very fickle type of person. The early Christians did not run around trying to accommodate themselves to the Roman Empire or the Roman culture. They didn't adjust the gospel so that they wouldn't tick off the larger society or make it more palatable to people. They knew who they believed. They knew who they needed to be most faithful to. They didn't alter the Christian message in the face of arrest, sometimes even death. There are many Christians today facing pressures facing isolation, facing even worse in this world because they so believe and they so stand on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.
and that there is no other way to be right with God except by his mercy. I know we sometimes hear about the social gospel or we hear about the evangelistic gospel, we hear about the charismatic gospel, we hear about this, we hear about that gospel. There's only one gospel. There's nothing else we can trust in except what Christ has done. You nor I cannot build our own bridge to God. We cannot pay for our sins. No one can pay the ransom for their life. God offers the free gift of life forever with Him through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And Christ died on the cross because we were dead in our sins and He came alive from, again from death to break the power of death for all of us. To make the gospel about anything else except what Christ has done for us is to trust in something else. There is just one message of good news. Let's hold on to it. Let's pray. For grace that welcomes such people as us. We praise you, Lord God. We can't boast when we think of how dependent we are on you. Give us the conviction to never trade in or desert you for a gospel that is easier or that accommodates or doesn't place the grace of Christ at the center. Keep us loyal to you. Keep us faithful to you. Trusting in, believing in, relying on nothing but your grace. And again, we thank you for it. Amen.